Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are located in Fredericksburg, Virginia, and our mission is for you to know God and make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how you can partner with us, please go to fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. Aren't you thankful for God's presence? Don't you love when He comes and meets with us? I'm going to hop right to it this morning. I have a little bit of an interactive message for us today, so I'm going to need you to respond. This isn't a spectator sport today. It's for you to shout back at me. Uh, this message is called, thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> hey, um, I want you to repeat after me the name of this message. It's called, That's Not Helping. Would you say it? One, two, three. That's Not Helping. So we're going to do an exercise today, and I, it's going to make me feel so, so powerful. Uh, whenever I point, I need you to say, all of us together, that's not helping. So let's practice. That's not helping. Okay, I love it. I love it. Hey, I want to <laughs> pray with us today. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this room. God, we thank you that you're here. We felt you today. God, we love you. We thank you for the freedom that's in your presence. And Lord, we pray that that would continue through the time where we spend together in your word. Just for the next few moments, God, I pray that it won't be me speaking, but God, it will be you speaking through me. So Lord, I just yield this vessel to you today. God, you say whatever you want to say. God, I thank you for how you've put this word on my heart for your people today. And God, I pray that it will do what it's uh, set out to do, God, which is to change hearts and change lives. So Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come have your way and do what only you can do, which is change us. And Lord, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about our words today. I want to talk about the power in what you say. You know, there's power in your words. You, you carry power in what you say. I know sometimes we forget and sometimes we flippantly go about how we talk to people and how we engage with our family and how we talk to our kids and correct our kids and, 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 and talk to other people at work. And, but I want to say to you and remind you today as a believer in Jesus, we know that we have life-shifting power in what we say. You may have forgotten today. That's why I'm here to, remember, to remind you what you carry inside of your words. I want to remind you, you're, you're made in the image of God. You're made in God's image. And I want to remind you of Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God said, let there be light. I want to point out to you the second word in that verse, God said. You know, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, in the, recount, in the account of all Jesus, excuse me, God is creating, there are 13 times where the Bible says, God said. It doesn't say God built. God, it doesn't say God constructed. God didn't fashion and he didn't even design. It says that God said. God spoke and the world came into being. God spoke and there was light. God spoke and there was life. God spoke and things happened. And I just want to say to you today, you and me, made in the image of our creator, when we speak, there's power in it. There's power to create. There's power to create atmospheres. There's power to create eternities. What do I mean by that? Oh, have you ever, have you ever been so impacted by somebody's words, either positive or negative, for, uh, with, to you that it lasted with you a lifetime? 
You can still remember at 15 when my teacher told me, you'll never amount to anything. That, that, that shaped me. Or I remember my dad when he told me he was proud of me. All of a sudden I have this sense because of words that it has affected me and, and all of a sudden I see myself differently because of how people have said they see me and, and I begin to see myself differently because of words. I just want to remind you today that you have the power in your words to bring life or to bring death. And you have the choice every single day. And so I present and remind you today, what are you going to choose? It's your choice every single day. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to have you do something with me this morning. I want you to finish my sentence. These are some idioms. You know what idiom is? It's like a, a well-known phrase that we say a lot. Uh, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You heard that one before? <laughs> I think that's probably the worst idiom I've ever heard. You know the earliest citation of that, it, it, this makes me sad, I did some research on that idiom. The first citation of that was from the American periodical, The Christian Recorder, in March 1862. I don't know what Christians were writing that magazine, but they obviously hadn't been reading scripture in depth because this is what it should say. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words have the potential to shape how I view myself, others, and God, and therefore shaping my future and possibly my eternity. I just want to remind you today that your words mean something, that how you talk to others and what you say changes their view of themselves and possibly if they know you're a Christian of God. And so we have the responsibility of people who've been filled with God's spirit to ask him to take over not just our actions and bodies, but also our words. And we're gonna talk about in a minute, minute, God, how how do you do this in me? God, I feel like I'm trying, but sometimes my words get out of hand. I just find myself angry. I find myself saying negative things. I find myself criticizing. I find myself being offended and lashing out. God, how do I keep this in check? And we're going to get to that in a moment. But, but next, I want to I read this to you. I don't know if you've heard this one before. But I'm going to have to eat my words. We've heard that one before. Basically meaning what I've said I've misspoken or spoken too quickly. I've judged too fast. And now it's on me because I was wrong. Proverbs 18, verse 21. I want to remind you of this verse this morning. This is the New Living Translation. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Your words can bring life to people or they can bring pain, hurt, death, evil to people. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You know, if you love to talk and you bring life, oh, that's a good thing. Consequences aren't always bad. We think of consequences as always a bad thing. Consequences can be wonderful if you learn how to let the Holy Spirit through you speak life. Oh, the consequences can be dire, will be dire, if you don't let the Holy Spirit speak through you and allow the flesh to speak through you words of death. But today, we're called to speak words of life. How about this last one? I call it like I, oh, you ever known anybody who calls it like they sees it, right? (laughs) Not a bad thing to be truthful, but sometimes us calling it like we see it can be not calling it like God sees it. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't call you like he sees you? Aren't you glad that every time you lie, he doesn't call you liar? Every time you cheat, cheater. Every time you steal, thief. Every time you fail, failure. No, 
He doesn't call, call it like he sees it. He calls you who he's made you to be. They're my son. They're my daughter. They love me. I love them. I know they have shortcomings. I know they have stuff that they're working through. I'm with them in it. I'm sanctifying them. That's a fancy church word for it. I'm making them more like me. Oh, God doesn't call you like he sees. God, God doesn't call you like he sees you. He calls you, uh, uh, he calls you son. He calls you daughter. And so I just wanted to do that fun exercise this morning. We, we say some things that aren't really biblical. Man, don't call people like you see them. Call people and situations like God sees them. Man, your words have power. Your words have weight. Whatever you say, you can't just throw around and expect there not to be consequences. The Bible says whether you speak good, there'll be good consequences. And if you speak evil, there will be negative consequences on you and on others, affecting them possibly for eternity. It's serious. Our words aren't a joke. I want to I just read this to you. There's been some studies on men and women. There's been some conflicting studies. The first one I read, I looked up for some scientific studies. The first one said men speak 7,000 words a day while women speak 20,000. I don't know if that's true. I'm not, I'm not sure, right? <laughs> I found another study that said that men and equal actually, men and, excuse me, men and women are actually closer than that. Both speak anywhere from... 12 to 16,000 words a day. I did the math for you so you didn't have to break out your calculator. The, I, I looked up the average age of an American citizen, the average life expectancy. It's 74 uh, years, 78 years, and, and 0.74. And so the average life expectancy, some of you are beyond that. Praise God, keep going. And, and many of us are on our way, but, but 78 years. And so if you count as an adult, the 60... Uh, the 60-some the years, the 60 years that you speak, you will speak 5,840,000 words in a year, on average. In your lifetime, you will speak 354,721,600 words in your entire life. There's a lot of things. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of messages. It's a lot of portraying to others who God is. It's a lot of, 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 of sharing my affirmation with how I either love them or am disapproved with them. And I want to say to you today, each one of your 354,721,600 words matters. Maybe you feel like, well, I'm getting close to the 78. If you feel like you, your words haven't been helping others, haven't been ministering to people, haven't bring, been bringing life, today's the day to start. Today's the start to, to bring life to people and not death. I want to read you a scientific study, and then we're going to get to Scripture. Uh, don't be mad at me for reading all these statistics today, but this is from Dr. Caroline Leaf. I don't know if you've heard of her before, but there's actual scientific studies on what your words do to your brain. Isn't that crazy? I was talking with somebody today, actually my friend Clayton, my new friend Clayton here today, he was telling me about how worship actually affects our body. We were talking about this past week and how, how scientists have begun to, to find that worship, when we worship together, there's these chemical reactions that begin to fire in your body and, and God has created it that way so we have uh, something happens in worship. And so the uh, same thing is that what happens to your words, obviously we believe God's presence, but, but um but what happens when you're, you speak words, let me read this to you. Um, are you paying attention to what words you are saying and what words you are receiving? Words reflect the thoughts and emotions of the speaker because every word was first a thought and an emotion. These are electromagnetic forces that cause real and lasting change both in the ears of the listener and you. 
And words really do cause pain. Isn't it interesting? We say sticks and stones might break, might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words actually scientifically do cause pain. Researchers have, found, have shown that hurt feelings from words affect the same area in the brain, I'm not going to say this correctly, but the cingulate gyrus, as a broken bone or a physical injury. So the old Scottish nursery rhyme of sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me is most cer certainly not true. Experts have also found that loving words help heal and rewire this pain. Words are the symbolic output of the exceptional processes happening on microatomical, epigenetic, and genetic levels in the brain. They contain power to make you, your loved ones, and your colleagues, and your friends, or break you. And so I want to encourage you today. Scientifically, doctors are finding this to be true, what God's word has said for centuries, that words are important. Words shape how you think. Words shape who you how you look at yourself. Words shape the world around you. And so I want to remind you today of how you speak is important. How you even interact with yourself, speak to yourself. You have that inner self-narrative that's maybe not out loud, but you're speaking loud to yourself. It's important. I want to read to you in James chapter 3 some verses about our words. Would you read with me? It's going to be up on the screen. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 say this. My brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. That's a scary thing for me, for me this morning, because, uh, because my words can impact how somebody views God and views themselves, and that is an eternal thing. And so God is, the Holy Spirit saying through James that if you teach, make sure you're speaking by the Holy Spirit, because you're going to be received in a stricter judgment. Okay, verse two, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Funny verse, I always read this. Wow, if I can keep my words in check, I'm perfect. If I can talk like God have me to talk, I'm perfect. I looked up the literal translation of the Greek word because I was like, ah, oh, this has got to be something else, right? It's got to be kind of like a shade of perfection. No, this word teleos that James uses is the same word that Jesus uses on the cross when he says, it is finished. It is perfect. And so this word perfect actually means complete. It means that, that it, it means constant, hum, consummate human integrity and virtue. If God can get a hold of your mouth, you ever felt like this, man, God's doing great stuff in my life. Man, the things, the places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Things I used to drink, uh, that doesn't buy me anymore. All the things I used to look at, man, I have put that behind me. And, and, and the relationships that used to drag me down, that's an old thing. But then we find our tongues having an issue talking about the people around us who bother us or or, the, or, or, or our children are getting on our last nerve, right? We find our tongues being the issue. Uh, I heard a saint say that often the last thing God can get a hold of is the tongue. Sometimes he'll strip everything away, but he still wants something else. And it says this is often the, the last thing, the thing that will make you like God. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. I was thinking about this. Think of an eternity, how large it is. Think of a destiny, how great it is. Think of a lifetime, how long 
it is. It can be affected and turned by a few sentences, a few words. You could never do that. You'll never make that. You don't belong here. God can't probably forgive that. You've gone too far. There's no hope. You always do this. You never do this. Oh, a whole destiny, I dare say, in eternity can be shaped and directed and changed by what you say. Take it seriously. You're impacting other people's eternities. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. You ever done this in your house? You ever been upset and you just knew the buttons to press? You just said one or two words and all of a sudden the fire started, right? You, that you just knew what, you were just ready for a fight and you were like, all right, I'm gonna say it. And you said it and it just went off. You ever done it before? You're lying to me because you're not raising your hand. <laughs> a, a few words can set a, a, a house on fire. It can get real, real fast. And you know it. <laughs> you gotta check your words. And the tongue is a fire. And this, and this gets crazy, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by hell. Man, don't let hell have your tongue. Let God have your tongue today. Man, I don't want to set the world on fire with the wrong kind of fire. I want to set the world on fire with words of hope, words of, words of God. Man, God's word that he's speaking to people, words of life. I don't, want, I don't want Satan to use my words to tear, to destroy, to detract. <clears throat> For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and the creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless God our Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Oh, could we not find ourselves here singing what a beautiful name and on the, on the way home talking about things we're mad about with the people around us or yelling at our kids. I know it's tough. I don't have kids, but I can only I can imagine it's tough. But could we bless God and bless those around us? Speak words of life. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers and my brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? The connotation is no. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? The, the obvious answer is no. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And so I just want to say we have to choose today. Do I want to be spirit controlled or do I want to be flesh controlled? Do I want to say what God's word says and God says about the people around me and the situations around me and the things I'm going through? Or do I want to use my own words? Do I want to create my own realities with my words? Do I want to curse men and bless God? Oh, it not ought to be so. I just want to encourage you today. Uh, let's speak words of life that bless people, that give people hope, that give people life. I want to read to you one story here this morning. It's in Numbers chapter 13. It's the children of Israel. And we so often find them in the, in the, in the wilderness 
They've been delivered from the bondage of Egypt. They were slaves for 400 years. God brought them out miraculously. They walked on dry land through the Red Sea. And now they are in this wilderness that God is bringing them to the promised land. The land that he's promised for them to be. All the, 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 the completion of God's promise to Abraham is that they, would, that they would produce Jesus, that they would be a blessing to the whole earth, and that they would have this nation. And so, and so they're going to the promised land. And you know how long it was supposed to take them to get from Egypt to Canaan, it was supposed to be 12 days. And you know what ended up taking how long? 40 years. I just want to say to you today, the, the, the things that the Israelites did, their, the, one of their main sins was they didn't believe God, and that exhibited itself in the words that we, they say were always doubtful, always filled with fear, always filled with doubt. And so I want to read to you this story. What's going on is the Lord has brought them to the place where they are getting ready to cross over, possibly, in his will, to the promised land. This is it. And he's brought them to the edge of the land, and they're about to send out people to go in and see what's going on inside. And so Numbers chapter 13, verse 1 says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers and you shall send a man, everyone, a leader among them. I want to just point this out to you in case you missed it. What is God saying to Israel? I am what? Giving them the land of Israel, of, of Canaan, excuse me. I am handing it to them. Keep that in mind, what God has said. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Um, we're going to skip down to verse 17 because it just lists everybody who was a spy. In verse 17, it says this, Then Moses sent them out to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, Go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. And now the time of the season was the first ripe grapes. Verse 21. So they went up. They spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. Funny names. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Shesai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. These were giants. These were big dudes. Then they came up to the valley of Eshcol and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it between two of them on a pole. I don't know if you've ever been to the grocery store and had to bring out your grapes on two, two you know, you and your kids bring it out on a pole. But these are not normal grapes, right? This is a land, literally, Moses said, flowing with milk and honey. This was a plentiful, blessed land, bountiful, that God had prepared to the for them, and, and, and God said to them on, their, on the outskirts of it, I'm giving it to you. Look at their response. Uh, verse 23, they also brought some of the pomegranates and the figs, which were maybe like basketballs, I don't know. The place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster uh, which the men of Israel cut down there. Eshcol literally means branch. So, so they were so impacted by this thing of grapes, they're like, we're naming this place Branch because these grapes are crazy. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. You know, we often see 40 in Scripture, it means testing. You know, God is testing them whether to see if they believe in their hearts that God is actually giving them what he's promised them. Do you ever get to the promise of what God has about to, the, what God has promised you and is about to give you, and then there's a test? Oh, isn't that the worst? God, you're, you're, 
I felt like you were about to bless, and then this problem happened. God will often bring a challenge, a test, to see, do they trust me? And that's what he does. They begin to see the power of these people in this land, and it says in verse 26, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them these massive grapes that they were, that they were bringing along back. Uh, and they told, then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly flows with milk and honey, and these are those crazy grapes. Look at these things. We named the valley after it because this is nuts. And these are its fruits. Everything that you said that God promised would be there is right there. Verse 28, do we do this? Nevertheless, oh, come on. Nevertheless, that's a fancy word for but. But, but, you know, but God, right? I don't know God, but nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities, the cities are fortified and very large. They start to speak words of doubt over what God has promised over the, over the people. That's what they're doing. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. And, uh, Goliath was a descendant of Anak. These are giants. These are huge men. Uh, the Am Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. They start to ignore what God has said, that he what he was giving them, and they start to see all the problems. Man, these people are huge. I know this fruit's crazy, and God, you said you've given it to us, but, but look at these people. These, they're, they're not even huge people. They're in huge cities, right? There's huge, those are huge doors. I don't even know if I can walk in that door, right? I, God, this is too big. This is nuts. We, we can't enter in. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. But God had said, I'm giving it to you. And so, and so they begin to speak words of doubt, words of fear. And I want to show you the response that 12 men, actually 10 men, because jo jo excuse me, Joshua and Caleb were two men who, who believed God. Let me finish this story with you. There we, verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from giants. And we were like grasshoppers in, in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. In, in Romans 14, this is how these words from 10 men impacted possibly millions of people. And the Lord said, I, uh, excuse me, Romans 14, verse 1. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and they cried. And the people wept that night. Oh, this wasn't a cry of joy for what God was about to give them. It should have been. It, they should have been rejoicing. They should have been excited. They should have been pumped about what God was about to do. But because of 10 men who told them it can't be done. This isn't what God is going to do. I know he promised, but you're hearing wrong. This isn't what he's going to do. It's too big. It's too hard. It's too much. It says that they cried all night. And in verse 2, Romans 14, verse 2, excuse me, not Romans, in Numbers 14, verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, only if we had died in this wilderness. Could you imagine the place that these words of fear brought them to? I wish I was still a slave back in a place where my father's father and my father's father's father was beaten and, and put into submission and, and, and put into slavery. I wish we were back there. That would be better than this. Or, or, or I wish we would have just died along the way. This is, this is, this is going to be our death. And they started because of words of a few men to start to believe not what God had said. 
Why? Look at this. They begin to blame God. Why has the Lord brought us to this land? Oh, it was to give them the land they were about to walk into. But because of these words that have been spoken, they, they turn it and say, why has God brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. Man, they're, go they're going nuts. They're going crazy. Let's go back to being slaves? No, bad idea. That's bad, right? But, but because of these words, it shifted a whole generation of possibly hundreds of thousands to millions of people because of 10 guys who said, God can't do it. I know he just said he could, but he won't. It's too big. It's too much. And you know, it may seem foolish looking at this passage, but we do it, don't we? Oh, God said he'd save my family, but it's too much. They're crazy. You know how much pot they smoke? It's insane. God said he'd help my finances, but he can't. I'm stuck at this job. I'm stuck here. I'm, you, 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 ever, you ever had this in your own life where God was promising you something? You know, God's, God said he'd forgive me, but, but I don't know if he forgave, he forgave this one. This is a little too much. Have you ever done this with God? Where your words didn't line up with what God was saying, and all of a sudden your reality shifted from a godly one to a natural one, and it's not a path you want to be on. And so the Israelites, all of a sudden, from listening to the negative and fearful words that are being given by these 10 men, they start to shift their perspective. I want to finish this up with you. The Lord is... <laughs> The Lord's frustrated. Ten times it says he's been merciful and slow to anger and, and guided them and loved them. But, but it's come to the place now where God can't bring in somebody to his full promise who, out of a heart of unbelief, speaks words of death. And I just want to say to you today, and this is a serious thing, you can thwart, distort, and delay the, God, the plan that God has for you by unbelief spoken out in negative and fearful realities. You can thwart, delay, and distort what God has for you perfectly. I know that's a heavy message and it's not something we wanna talk about or think about, but if we choose to live not what but God said, but why what we see, we're not gonna go in the right direction. And so I wanna to read to you just the last verses here this morning, what God says. It says, the Lord said, actually, God wants to, to choose another people as it gets to that point, and, and, and Moses talks him down. Isn't that interesting? I, I don't know theologically how to handle that one, but Moses is like, come on, don't do it, right? Don't kill him, don't leave him, right? Just, just, just bring him in, you love him, remember, you love him, right? And, and the Lord said in verse 20, Numbers 14, verse 20, then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these 10 times and have not heeded my voice, they shall certainly not see the land which I swore of to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, I skipped over what he said earlier. I'm going to read it to you real quick. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you. Well, while, the, while the people are up in arms about wanting to go back to Egypt and slavery, and Caleb shouts out this. He says, and the people, Caleb quieted the people before, the Lord, before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take the possession, for we are able to overcome it. Uh, and, so, and so God, because of Caleb's faith because of his confession, because of what we believe, what he believed was manifested through his words. 
Uh, God says, but my servant Caleb in verse 24, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. Oh, don't you want to be somebody in this world with a different spirit? Aren't you tired of just, every, we're, we're all flesh controlled. Don't you want to be spirit controlled? Man, don't you want to be controlled by a different power? Don't you, don't you want your words to be controlled by what you really believe? Not by what the fear is, is speaking through your mind or, or the doubt or, the, or what things look like. Don't you want to be controlled by God's spirit? It says that, that uh, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. Man, I want a different spirit in me. I want a spirit of faith. I want God's spirit. I want my words to be, to be a, a blessing to people, not, not hurtful, not painful, not give them doubt and fears. Oh, God can't do it. No, I want to encourage other people into what God has called them to do because he has a different spirit in him and he has followed me fully. Remember, the Bible says that if you can tame this tongue, you are a perfect man or woman. He has followed me fully, not just in his actions, but in those nasty little words that we throw, throw death at people at. He's even spoken what is according to my will. And so he's fo followed me fully. I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Oh, I believe if you let the Holy Spirit today begin to control what you say, man, you are going to be blessed. Your house is going to be blessed. Your family is going to be blessed. Your finances are going to be blessed. The people around you are going to be blessed. This church is going to be blessed. God's kingdom is going to grow. Things are going to be different because of the atmosphere that you create with your words, evidenced by what you believe in your heart. He's full of... He's followed me fully, and he's going to inherit what I've promised. Oh, could we be spirit-controlled today instead of flesh-controlled in our words? I want to just finish with a couple verses. I never want to leave um, without some practical steps to where you say, oh, that's great. I understand now how powerful my words are, but how do I change? I, I get mad a lot. I, I yell a lot. I, 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 I talk about people a lot. I kind of gossip Talk about people behind their back and their shortcomings and their failings, and, and, and I got a problem with that. I, I know it's wrong. I want to stop, but I have a hard time. I, I, I have four steps. I know there's probably more, and this isn't a self-help thing, but I believe, I prayed. I said, God, how would you have me encourage people to, to pray? First of it, first is pray about it. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I pray every day. And we should all be praying every day. Holy Spirit, I want to be spirit empowered, not flesh controlled. I don't want the words of my mouth to, you, you ever had those words that were just escaping, right? And you knew they weren't right, and you knew they weren't from God, and you knew they weren't blessing anybody, but they just kind of bloop, and you saw me just, no, right? Come back. But it was too late. Oh, that's flesh control. That's when the thing rises up with me, that anger, all right? I'm, I'm justified to say this. They deserve it. I've had about enough right now. Man, I can't take this anymore. I'm right, and maybe you are. But that's not how God sees it, because the person who you are lashing out at is a child of God, and he loves them. And I'm not saying you shouldn't speak the truth in love, but I'm talking about flesh control anger that lashes out at people, at yourself, at people on the workplace, at, at, at home, with your family. Oh, that's flesh control. But I want to be spirit-empowered. I want the things that I say to speak life. And so if I'm struggling with the flesh, man, I want to go in the other room because I don't want to, my words to, to cause damage and to impact those that I love, those that I care about, and more, most importantly, those who God loves and cares about. And so start to pray about it. Look at this in, in Proverbs verse, chapter 4, verse, excuse me, in Psalm 141.3. David prays about it. I called him Dave. We're friends. <laughs> Psalm 141.3. Look at this. 
take control of what I say, O Lord. I want to, I want you to put it up on the screen because I want you to look at this. David says this in Psalm 141, verse 3. He prays for help. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Take control of what I say. God, I want to be spirit-empowered. I don't want to be flesh-controlled. Would you take control of my words? I know they get angsty sometimes. I know they get angry sometimes. I know I can speak gossip and death over people. And even myself, I can beat myself up and say, you know, I've done it too many times. God God can't use a person like me. God can't help a person like me. It's too much. But if you start to pray, God, I pray that you control these words, please, because they're so important. Would you take control? Two, your words come from your heart, not from your mouth. So protect your heart. Your heart in scripture is also called the soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. It's the reins of your heart. It's who you are on the inside, your soul. Your words come from there. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, keep your heart, protect your heart with all diligence. For out of it springs the issues of life. Oh, how do I keep my words? It's keep my heart first. God, protect my heart. God, I pray I wouldn't let anything make me bitter. God, I pray there would be be no unforgiveness in me. God, I pray there would be nothing angry at you or people. God, I pray that there would only be your love controlling and empowering my life. Philippians 4.8 says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure, and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Number three, commit to just don't because that's not, that's not helping. Oh, come on. Commit to just don't because... That's not helping, man. It comes to a place where, you know what? I just have to say, I'm just not going to. I just won't. When that thing rises up in me, when that thing causes me to want to behave a certain way or even lash out at myself or the people around me, I'm not going to. Look at this, Proverbs 6, 16 through 18. I'm not gonna talk about the people in my life. I'm gonna bless them. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. The seventh, it says, is an abomination. That word is uh, toeva. It means disgusting to God. The seventh is disgusting to him. Uh, The first six are this. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Seven is this. This is the thing that is most disgusting to him. And one who swords discord among brethren. He says, I hate six things, but the seventh makes me irate, (laughs) makes me mad. I don't want you to use your words to destroy. I don't want you to use your words to sow discord. That word means contention. I want you to speak life. I want you to bless. I want you to forgive. I want you to encourage. I want you to give hope. And so I want to read with you a a few final things, and we're going to close in prayer. The fourth is this, line up your heart, your words, and your truth based not on opinions, but on what God has already said about you and those around you. Let me remind you, and lastly, who you are. John 1.12 tells me I'm a child of God. John 15.15 says I'm a, not just I don't belong to him, but I'm his friend. I'm a friend of God. 
He's not, he doesn't just, you're not that, uh, the stepchild who, who he kind of likes. You're his friend. He loves you. You're his, his child, and he's your friend. He cares for you. Romans 3, 24, I have been justified and redeemed. You've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. You're not your own anymore. You've been bought with a price. Just a few more. Romans 6, 6 says, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I can say over myself when I'm being tempted, I'm not a slave to this anymore. I'm not always going to do this. When you see somebody in your life who has had this issue, had this problem, and, and you're tempted to say, you always do this. No. You believe in Jesus? You're not a slave to this anymore. You're not a slave to sin. You're more than conqueror through him who loved you. That's who you are. And I'm not going to speak death over your life anymore. I'm not going to say, you always do this and you did it again. No. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. There's hope. I'm, I'm standing on God's word. Come on. Let's use our words for hope and not for death. Romans 8, 1, I am not condemned by God. There's therefore now no condemnation. Isn't that beautiful? Now that God has not condemned me, I have no right to condemn a brother or sister for anything that they have been through, going through, or will go through. Oh, we, we're bad at this sometimes. But, but I want to encourage you. We are not condemned. And so others around us, oh, let's not condemn them. Let's look at them like God loves them. Romans 15, 7, I've been accepted by Christ. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, the Holy Spirit lives in me. There's something else controlling me. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, I'm almost done. God will lead me in triumph. I'm not made to struggle my whole life. I'm made to be more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I'm a victor. I'm a conqueror. God is triumphant in me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I am a new creation in Christ. I'm not that old person anymore, and neither are the people around me who love Jesus, and so I'm not going to treat them like they're old trash. I'm going to treat them like they're new creations, that they are who they, God says they are, that they're new creations in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. God's righteousness is me now. Isn't that weird? How does he do that? He clothes us in his righteousness. Four more. Philippians 3, 20, I'm a citizen of heaven. Oh, I belong. I'm not a stranger. I'm not a sojourner. I belong to a family. Philippians 4.19, God will supply all my needs. Say that when you, when you don't have enough. Philippians 4.19, God will supply all my needs. Ephesians 1.7, I'm redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Jesus. This is who God claims to be for you. Jehovah Nisi is the Lord your banner. He's your protector. Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. He'll heal me. Spirit, soul, and body. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. The Lord is with us. His name is Emmanuel. He's here. Jehovah Tzitzkenu, which is the Lord is our righteousness. Oh, it's not my righteousness. The Lord's righteousness is mine. Jehovah Medokitzkenen. Oh, boy. I butchered that. The Lord who sanctifies you. The Lord who's changing you. El Olam, the everlasting God. Jehovah Kana. He's a jealous God. He wants all of you. He doesn't want part of you. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of many hosts. And so that's who God is. And if you allow him to line up with your words and your truth, I believe that the realities in your life will begin to shift and change. And the people in your life will be different. And the eternities, the people around you could possibly be different. So I want to close in prayer. Lord, if you could come and play as we close. And Holy Spirit... We just welcome you in this room. I just want to invite us this morning. If we felt like we've been flesh controlled for too long in what we say. We just have too many words that are being destructive and hurting. And, and, we're, and, we're, and we're hurting ourselves even. God, I've done it too many times. Or I never get it right. I 
can't do it. It's too big. It's too strong. I can't do what you've asked me to do. Maybe the people around you, you just have a tendency of getting frustrated. And and they always do that. I'm so mad. And we speak words of destruction. I want to just ask us this morning, if we would right now, if you want to be a person who's spirit controlled, not just in maybe your day-to-day doings, but your words, I want you to lift your hand right now in this place. I'm going to lift my hand too because I want to be somebody who's spirit controlled, not flesh controlled. I want to be spirit empowered today. And so Holy Spirit, I pray for every person with a hand raised today. God, we want our words to speak life. We want to be spirit empowered, not flesh controlled. And so Lord, I believe you've promised so many things, but you can only bring people into it who are willing to be spirit empowered And they're not only their actions, but in their hearts, evidenced in what we say to ourselves, to one another, to our family, to our co-workers. And God, I thank you as our words are empowered by your spirit. Oh, the opposite of what will happen will happen to Israel, will happen to us, where many were negatively impacted against God's word because of 10. But God, I thank you that there's so many more than 10 in this place today. The things that we say can change a generation. The things how we talk can impact a workplace, can change a boss, can heal a life, can save a broken one who's thinking of committing suicide because because no one has ever seemed to love me. And so God, we we just give you the power back that you've given us, our words, the words with which to create, to bless, or to curse. And God, we want to say, we want to bless. I say, I want to bless today. I don't want to tear down. I don't want to lie. I don't want to hurt. I want to bless. And God, we thank you, God, that you speak good over us today. God, we say your promises are yes and amen. God, we thank you that we're your children, we're your sons, we're your daughters. You love us. Even in our shortcomings and failures, you're with us and you've called us and you'll never forsake. And so, God, we thank you today for the privilege of just like you have created so much and so much blessing, we can create life. We can create blessing. So, Lord, we say yes today, and we commit to doing it. God, we ask for Holy Spirit empowerment. We choose to say no to the temptation that we have even moment by moment to use our words for destruction. And, God, we thank you. God, that you see us as your sons and your daughters. We love you today. We thank you. Thank you for your word that teaches us, encourages us, and shows us the best and right way to live. I pray that you would remind us by the power of your Holy Spirit as at times we are about to let the flesh control what we say. Give us strength to remind, to ask for help from the Holy Spirit to empower us to say what you say. And so, Lord, we love you today. We thank you for every person in this room that they're called to change their world. And, Lord, I thank you that that you've called us to do. We love you so much and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.